When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Oh, hello. Welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. We're just two gals in the void, and we're here to ruin a horror movie just for you. Gals in the void. Um, And also, well, before we even say how we're doing, like, I think we both want to acknowledge, we're, again, we're in the past for you, but the future mm-hmm. for us. We don't know what's happening in the actual world right now, but I know when we're recording, um, the crisis in Israel and Palestine is becoming increasingly worse and worse with, like, a higher number of innocent civilians being killed on both sides every day, and it's a barrage, and anti-Semitism is running extremely high, as are anti-Muslim sentiments here in America, and I'm sure in other places as well, and we don't have a ton of answers or anything, but we do have a lot of uh, thoughts and sympathy for everybody experiencing both physical and also the emotional violence that comes with a conflict that is this complicated and rooted in so much um, very unfortunate hate in America. So, yeah, and yeah, I just felt like you know another tough year, another tough week for uh, the globe. So yeah. to not address it seemed uh, unacceptable. Yes. Um, I would say, I feel like, again, we're part of Crooked Media, and I, I would say if you're a, someone who is up for listening to even more podcasts, um, I think that uh, Tommy Vitor and Ben Rhodes over at Pod Save the World have been doing a really great job. Um, they did an episode yes. called America's Warning to Israel that I think covers... Um, a lot of different important factors in this. And I think for me, like personally, it is engaging in a way that I think being a white, you know, a cis American who like, I feel like I, the uh, sort of the last bastion of things I don't know anything about is America's <laughs> role on, on the planet, you know? And, yeah. and I think that's what a lot of people are sort of being confronted with is like, mm-hmm. oh, so what's been going on this whole time? What the yeah. hell, you know? And, I think they've been doing a really excellent job interviewing people, you know, they interview a person in Israel who had family members abducted. They interview someone who's in Gaza. Um, and I think, you know, this is an international crisis um, mm-hmm. that it, it, to turn away from it, I mean, like, how, you know, at this right. point? And, and also, like, all the aid workers trying to get into Gaza. Like, these are all different countries that are being pulled into this. Yes. And, um, you know, I think to me it's important to really, as an American, examine America's role in this and, and over the globe. And I think that, you know, I, I, there's a certain point where it's like, oh, I feel shame that I didn't know. But also, like, that's kind of being an American. And I yeah. think this is a, an opportunity, not in a positive way, but it's like this kind of thing, it challenges our idea of ourselves and our role in in every part of the world and and asks us to ask, like, what could be done in our name? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they did a really excellent job of, like, talking about all the different factors. And then, you know, just sort of like they do that, like, the New, <laughs> New Jersey's Bob Menendez, the senator who's, like, 
uh, under indictment for being a <laughs> foreign spy is still on like the his committees, uh, even though he's been taking right. money from Egypt, which is a country that's next to all this. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem good either. So no, it does not. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like again, a uh, place to start, and I think a consistently good podcast that I've really been. Um, getting a lot from, again, as somebody who, unfortunately, due to my privilege, all of our privilege, kind of just, I was like, well, I don't know enough about it. So, you know, and I think now it's like, well, we all have to know about it. We all have to know about everything that we're involved in. And, um, yeah, we just wanted to talk about it. And then, boy, you know, I don't know, it's all tied to, like, and then also uh, they uh, elected uh, Mike Johnson to uh, be Speaker (sighs) of the House. and Can't wait to produce a whole bunch of... Capitalism workers for America as a woman. That's my job. I, right. I know we all saw and that they, clip and, and they it's better fucking not, terrifying. And they better not be gay or trans. You know, it's yeah, thing. It's like, listen, sure. you want to make more people, some of them are going to be gay and trans. I don't know what to tell and you. They better about not it. need health care or anything. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's, I don't know. And Ugh. I, and there's also like this horrible shooting this week. And yes. there, you know, I think uh, for me, I, I try to think about like, uh, it, it, it is easy to be nihilistic and it is easy to turn away from this. Not easy. It's horrible, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's easy to be like, this is Least inevitable. Resistance. These things are inevitable. We can't stop them. Rather than what are the ways that all of us could offer any sort of, you know, sorry, I'm going to cry, but like door to open, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, you know, I think it just, you know, what 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 do white women's tears mean? But, yes. You know what I mean? I think yes. fixing every, but yeah. But I think engaging with things that are mm. happening and doing any small amount that feels good for you is the important thing to do Um to continue to be able to face all of these horrors without completely giving up. Exactly. And um, we just wanted to address that. Yes. And, we and again, we have no well. idea what's happening in real time when so this comes out. This. So, like, God, like, uh, so apologies for the vagueness, but also yeah. that is, that's that's how the podcast sausage gets made. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's where we are in time. And, 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 and I can only hope that, that something is better when you're listening to this now. Yeah. Um, but Hallie, aside from a million global and domestic crises. How are you? (laughs) Aside from that. What's new? Maybe not how are you, but what's new? (laughs) Um, I'm going to, uh, it's Halloween tomorrow. I'm Uh, sorry, it's it's Halloween weekend leading up to. Yes. And I was going to be Grammys 2023 Madonna because my friends and I are doing Night of a Thousand Madonnas. I have no bandwidth for that. I cannot, Mm -hmm. the wig is too much work. I can't, I can't bleach my eyebrows. I, you know, it's going to, I would just go blind. I would, I wouldn't be yes. able to do it. So yeah, you'd I'm, bleach your eyeballs. <laughs> exactly. So I'm pivoting to don't tell me Madonna, which is just a Western shirt, a cowboy hat and jeans. And yes. I can do that. I think, I think right? that that's, you know, bite off as much as you can chew. Yeah. And from a Madonna standpoint. Exactly. So other than that, um, I feel like this until the end of the year, I mean, the SAG strike is going, still going on, yes. so things aren't really popping off here. But even if even if the strikes were over this time of year in LA, it's, it's basically all shut closed down. down. November first is the end of the year. Yeah, forget about it. And uh, so I think I'm trying to ready myself for the doldrums. Mm-hmm. Where you know what I mean? And it's like we can't not all we're all reading the news all the time. It's inescapable. But how to psychologically um, ready myself and. Um, mm-hmm. Just not become a working machine, which is my tendency 
to do that. Um, other than that, oh, I got I got a, a cunty little um, light up Christmas tree. Ooh. I'm gonna do a full um, gay Christmas. Um, I think you should very much do a gay Christmas. Fantasia, and I'll post a photo of it. I'm gonna get a Please. pink tinsel tree. I guess it's sort of just a place. Some, I think creativity exists in all areas, and you know, we, anything to take the the um, edge off. So I'm gonna you do this. I got a smaller one, and then I'm gonna do a full full. Um, uh, a pink pink fantasy Christmas. I love that. Plan. That's so fun. Yeah. Um, how are you doing? Um, good, fine. Alive. Yeah. Um, surviving. Not thriving. Um, I would, I, last night I went to a nighttime, like a 9.30 screening in Park Slope of Taylor Swift's Eras Tour movie. Oh, how was it? And I had the most fun. Oh, like, good. I am, okay. I am not someone who's, like, the huge, like, I'm not, like, a mega Taylor fan, but I, I also— say, I I feel like you don't, I haven't talked about Taylor. I didn't know your connection really to have, Taylor. Like, I think I, I, I'm, like, agnostic on her where I'm, like, there's a lot of songs that she's made that I'm, like, I enjoy this. And mm-hmm. there's a lot that she's made where I was, like, I didn't participate in this, and— that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but my friend, uh, Chris, a friend of ours, um, she and I uh, got very stoned and yeah. went to Nighthawk. And it was half Oh, Nighthawk, the best. Went to Nighthawk so we could, like, eat and drink. Um, and it was like, you know, it's like a two-and-a-half-hour concert that starts at 10 p.m. in Park Slope. It was just, like, other stoned 35-year-olds that and 40-year-olds. And it was, like, half full. Also, I walked in, this girl was like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with you. Like, a girl who, like— saw my show and and at Cherry Lane and stuff and I was like, well, you're gonna watch me get really stoned and sing That's how some Taylor great. songs. I'm sure and she we loved just, like, it. We all had it was like the perfect vibe of like I've seen footage of like screenings that have broken out and like full like screaming, dancing, everyone's up and I'm like, I don't know if I want that. That's like the point mm-hmm. of not going to a concert. But I was like, but I also don't want it to be. I figured out that this is my dream movie viewing experience because you can talk at full volume oh, and be on your point. phone the whole time. Okay, <laughs> so, I've thought about that part. That's like, fun. it's just, it's not like no one's like following. Like everybody's just like kind of talking the whole time, being like, "Oh wow, this is beautiful!" Like just like loudly saying that, which is just like a really fun. That's I feel like really I was funny. in somebody's living room with a bunch of strangers, and we were all becoming friends watching. It was. I really enjoyed myself. I'm so. There's glad. a million issues with Taylor Swift that. I have no interest in getting into, like, her uh, obsession with flying around in a private jet that is both disgusting but also slightly understandable because, like, you watch this woman walk into a restaurant and it shuts down six She'd be torn limb from limb. She'd be be obliterated. She can't fly on a commercial flight with us. Have you seen how people fly? Like, but oh, at the we're same animals time, to begin with. It's disgusting to uh, have that big of a carbon footprint. So, um, yeah, my um, my interaction with this is that I guess in her um, liner notes because she's releasing like another one of her albums, yeah. like the Taylor's version. Mm-hmm. And I will say my only connection to Taylor is um, I like the album Red. And I think mm-hmm. I like some of them from 1989. And then after that, I don't know the other ones. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Like the ones from the a pandemic. I'm like folklore and evermore. I'm like, yeah, okay. this is music I can put on on the background. And it is very lovely to have on. Okay, good. Yeah, I because of my, again, self-diagnosed ADHD, I apologize for bringing it up. I really only listen to what I would describe as, as, uh, describe as disgusting gay club music. Like the yes, worst great. EDM possible because I, I needed to write. So it's kind of all I listen to, but I've certainly enjoyed a Taylor Swift song. But apparently in her liner notes, she said, uh, she wrote, um, I swore off dating and decided to focus on only on myself, my music, my growth, my female friendships. If I only hung out with my female friends, people couldn't sensationalize or sexualize that, right? 
I would later learn on that people could and people would, which of course has sent the Gaylor community, people yes. who believe that she is secretly queer, yes. into a tizzy. And I just want to say, if you're a member of that community, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, she's straight. I, I don't know yeah. what to tell you. And that's not to say that she couldn't have had a romance with a woman, but I think some people of all genders maybe say, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to try this out, see how it fits. Wasn't for me. And yeah. I think, if anything, she's doubled down on being straight. And again, nothing wrong with that. It's, but yeah, I think it's also maybe not our business. Not of our business. <laughs> um, though, to be fair, she has made it our business uh, by True. leaving different clues in her yes. songs and artwork. So obviously she wanted to sort of, but you know what I mean? Stoke she's an artist. Flames. She can do whatever want. Yes. It's her art. I, I like the idea of putting yourself in your art in whatever it looks like. But yes. I do think we got to move on. And there are a lot of actually queer women and non-binary people who are out here making music. Incredible that, music. That I think, you know, uh, perhaps they could use a little bit of your listening. Mm-hmm. And you can still listen to Taylor Swift, even though she's yeah. straight. We could all still enjoy your yeah, music. Also, yes, we could still do that. <laughs> yes. But anyway, um, seeing yeah. it in theaters was really, really fun. And I can't wait for Beyonce to release Renaissance because oh, I will go I see really that. I really want to see is, that. Yeah. This is how I both want to see movies and concerts. I agree because concerts, I have a hard time. Well, first of all, I you can't. know I want to sit. You don't want to sit, I wanna, bitch. I can't. And I can't do like an hour load in and an hour no. load out. Like, to go to the bathroom? You have to no. climb past a thousand people? I'm not doing that. No. Um, with that in mind. Um, anyway. You That's know what, what we're doing. You know what would? Oh damn it! I was trying to segue. Speaking mm. of a thousand people screaming, climbing okay. all over each other. Okay. We of course have a brand new movie <laughs> this week. We never, don't repeat them. I don't know why we why would they even bring that up. But <laughs> um, this one's theme for our horror movies is of course they ate. Yes. Uh, meaning of course being consumed and someone who eats. Mm-hmm. And this week, I think it is both an entity that eats. And mm-hmm. an entity that ate. And that entity is, of course, The Blob. And we are doing yes. 1988's The Blob. And is it, there an older version? Yes. I was like, I thought this movie was, like, very old. Yes. But this then was, I watched mm-hmm. the correct trailer. And I was like, wait, I thought this was, like, the fi- this is from 88, but... Absolutely. E8? Mm? Shit. They, well, they definitely, obviously, made this... 88? They 88. When they remake <laughs> The Blob, I guess it's been... It's been 30 years since then. They should have made the, the third. They should have made another one on yeah. already. But yes. yes, so the original Blob came out in 1958. This mm. is the remake that came out in 1988. So sort of the 30th anniversary. The Blob's version. The Blob, yeah, Blob's <laughs> version. Um, all the royalties go to the Blob. Um, right. And interestingly, it was directed by Chuck Russell, who was born in 1958. So it's sort oh, of like, a, oh, great, directing fun. at 30. Good for you. I know. It's like, you did it, man. But he also, uh, Chuck Russell also directed Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, which we have not done. Mm-hmm. Um, he did The Mask, which I loved okay. as a uh, in the nineties, um, and a bunch of other movies, uh, Scorpion King. But I feel like those are his sort of uh, yeah. you know the, the the films that he is known for and that we absolutely um, love and enjoy. And I hadn't seen this Blob before. I hadn't oh. seen either Blob and loved it. And it's really interesting because it came out two years before Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. and. It is very Twin Peaks. And at first oh, I was like, oh, I wonder if David Lynch has ever talked about um, drawing from it. But I think it's really more of like this movie. It, remember in the eight, I feel like in the 80s, they were it was referencing the 50s a lot. Mm-hmm. And in the yes. 90s, we were kind of referencing the 60s and, yes. and also 70s. Like we're referencing like the generation before. So in mm-hmm. the 80s, we were referencing the 50s because that was the four, that's when 
these filmmakers and whatever, people doing fashion, like they would have been born in the 50s. So it's like yes. their interpretation of it. So all these elements, like there's like a greaser with a bike. I'm like, oh, it's Twin Peaks. It's like, no, they're both referencing the this. 50s from the 80s. Exactly. So it's like, and like the idea of like what in the 50s was like a rebel. It was like a guy in a leather jacket and a motorcycle. And you're in a small town and a, a cheerleader and a football player. It's like, oh, it's the it's the Americana. Like we're referencing mm-hmm. the same theme. Mm-hmm. So you know I fucking love that shit. Because yeah. of course they're going to be affected when the blob shows up. Um, I mean, everything will be, but I'm excited. <laughs> Um, and we always like to have Allison watch the trailer. Allison, um, what did you think about the trailer for The Blob? Um, yucky? Yeah. 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 It's pretty yucky. Like, seeing the, like, whatever, the, you know, blobness in that guy's fingers when he's, like, standing over the sink, like, oh, what's this? And you're like, oh, no, it doesn't look like you should touch it. <laughs> like, Would you like to touch The Blob, Allison? If I knew nothing would happen, if I knew there were no consequences, yes. What if you were 99% sure nothing would happen? No. Okay. Fair enough. But I touched a stingray. And why would you do that? I was at an aquarium by myself. You were, they were invited you to. It wasn't okay, like good. I touched. It was like unattended? <laughs> no, it was like a thing where you could touch stingrays at the, at the aquarium. They're, they feel incredible. Everybody should go touch a stingray if they can. Um, what do they feel like? Like... Underwater Velvet? Oh my God, that sounds like, like heaven. Like, it also sounds like an album title. It does, yeah. Underwater Velvet. Um, it's an acoustic set. Um, Damn, but yeah, there's a real, one. like, like you think it's going to be slimy, but it's actually just, like, soft. I, that sounds great. I think it's, like, yeah. somebody, I can't remember who, uh, a very funny webcomic, fuck, I can't remember, uh, he, he did one about how uh, people think that the sharks are going to be smooth. No, he made a reference. He said that a shark would be smooth, and then all the comments were like, sharks are actually very rough. Oh. But it's like, we're learning, we're even le- when we're arguing. Yeah, and that's important. Um, the name of the uh, comic is Swan Boy by Branson Reese. And there's a seminal, like, he'd be wanted to touch a shark. And I had the same impulse. I'd like to touch a dolphin. I think dolphins are soft. But also, would they want to be touched? Probably not. And they're, like, squeaky. And they would, they do want to have sex with you. Yes. Well, keeping that in mind, Allison, um, we always like to take a baseline scary. <laughs> Allison, how scary do you find the concept of the blob? Specifically um, the blob showing up in your hometown and you have yeah. to, you personally have to deal with it, Allison. That I would really not like. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to really have to get my hands dirty with, like, the, the blob is something where I'm like, you hear about it. Um, yeah. But to have to really engage with the blob... It seems sticky. There were way more explosions in the trailer than so I was many prepared explosions. for. So I feel yeah. like um, that just would get really, like, exhausting <laughs> over time. You hate explosions. I hate I will explosions. That. That's something everybody says about me. Um, yeah, I don't want to do it. I completely—that makes sense. I um, I realized uh, recently I hate having my face or hands wet or having anything on them. Mm-hmm. So as a result, I rarely wash my face at night, which I know I shouldn't. I know that's bad for your skin. But I cannot stand having a part of my body wet while the other... Like, a shower's fine. And but I like, just think the just, blob... Yeah. Just ugh. wet face? That's tough. And I think touching the... I would need... I would, just, I would have to carry around a bunch of napkins. Like, I would just be constantly wa- wiping my hands off if I had to be near the blob. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It just Yeah. You would need a lot of napkins. You would need a lot of just, like like, wipes and stuff like that. It's just mm. who wants to deal with that. And who wants to deal with that? Um, and before we start, would you like to guess the twist? 
In the blob, Allison. Guess the twist. Would you say there is a I would, and I would say that it regards the origin of the blob. Oh, okay. Because I was going to then guess, like, one of the people we've been following is just the blob in human form. Ooh, um, okay. I like that. But I, I'll just to give you a little direction. From whence I'm did it come? Say, who made it? Why? Oh, so the blob has been made. Well, it's it, the blob made itself, but it, something mm-hmm. began the blob. And for what began it, I suppose? I'm going to guess that it was um, doctors trying to find a cure for something, mm-hmm. but in fact, they created, like, a the blob, which evolved into a destructive being. Right. And that's the problem with the, you know, whenever you try to do something, it does, mm-hmm. it does eventually evolve into the blob. Gets uh, out of It seems like that's kind of what we do. Yeah, yeah, things get out of hand. Wait, what was the movie? Was that? Oh, Ravenous. Oh, yeah. And then things <laughs> got out of hand. And let me tell you, things really get out of hand in the blob pretty okay. quickly. Um, so let us begin ruining 1988's The Blob. We sort of uh, descend through the clouds because uh, we are, of course, coming from space. We yes. are zooming through the clouds down over a sleepy little town of Arborville, California. Okay. That's a town sort of am- amongst the mountains. And mm-hmm. again, that's what strikes me very Twin Peaks. Like, it's remote, but it's gorgeous. And we find out that um, they this is a ski town, which basically okay. means when ski season starts, everyone's making their money. Every, like all of the econ- like the economy revolves around the local resort. Like people, yes. tourist, it's tourist town, but for skiing. Yeah. So this is sort of like I think we're supposed to think it's October. So okay, it's like, so like the, the end season. of the summer. Yes, but we're leading into it. And everyone's kind of in lean time. Okay, so like yes. the diners, like we really need tourists to start showing up. So that sort of is the the vibe of it. But other than that, small town, you know, wholesome, white as the day is long. Yes. Um, and they're about to learn what the true meaning of the blob is. Um, mm-hmm. And we have like a main street, which we're constantly on with the diner and the police station cute, is down cute. the um, down the road. And there's like amazing shots of like religious statues because there's also a religious element to the blob, which we will get into. And we zoom over the cemetery and right next to it, of course, is the high school football field. Where well, obviously you put those two things next to each gotta. other when you're city planning. I mean, and then you can just drive right over and get right in your grave. That's how I think about it. You graduate high school and you get right in. And you get in a grave. And so we have local team facing off against team from another town. And Mm. we meet one of our protagonists, Paul Taylor. And he is the quarterback, I guess. And he makes a touchdown. And he makes uh, eyes with, like, one of the cheerleaders, Meg Penny. And they kind of, like, you know, Very 1988 name. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every day with this is perfect. And he sits down, and one of the other players, Scott, is like, look at her. She wants your body, man. Just ask her out. And <laughs> Paul says, body. I don't know. Like, isn't she dating Pulver? And the other guy goes, that's not going anywhere. Just ask her out. And it's like, going anywhere? You're like 17. What are you talking right. about? Just We just go to the movies and give each other right. hand jobs. Like, There's no going like, anywhere. dating. Yeah. Yeah, grow up. And he says, no, I'll ask her out when the timing's right. Timing is everything. Paul goes back into the game, Correct. and he catches, like, this insane pass, but then he gets tackled, and he slams into, like, the table with a Gatorade on it. Yes. And so everything falls on top of him, and Meg rushes over with the other cheerleaders, and Paul looks up dazed. He says, Meg, uh, have any plans this evening? And then he passes out unconscious. And it's like, are you concussed? <laughs> and the answer is yes, but Meg is flattered and absolutely uh, on board okay. to go out. Great. 
Meanwhile, we meet our rebel. He's our bad boy. His name is Ooh. Brian Flagg with two Ooh. G's. And they'll do it. And it is played by um, Kevin Dillon. Okay, yes. And because at first I thought Paul was Kevin Dillon. I'm like, Kevin Dillon looks really different. It's like, then you see Kevin Dillon, like, no, no, that's, oh, no, that's I know him. that guy. That's, Got him. I know that face. Um, and he, of course, is a rebel we know is because he is drinking a beer and smoking well. near a broken down bridge near a ravine. <laughs> And That's where bad boys love to hang out. Ravines. You got him. He's alone. He's alone. Or he's a lone wolf, Dottie. He, you know, he has a, a motorcycle jacket on, and we see him sort of put down his beer. Allison, uh, he's totally alone out here, and he's going to jump the uh, bridge. So he's gonna he's revving up, and he's gonna jump off and go over the ravine. Okay, great. And right as he's about to do it, we see a man in army green and carrying a garbage bag sort of duck into the undergrowth, right? Uh-oh. And so I can he, sense what might be in that garbage bag. Um, not yet, but okay. I will say it, eventually— <laughs> also, like, uh, carting the blob around in a garbage bag. I mean, how else do you carry it? You can't put it in a box. It would seep through. Right. Um, so Brian guns it, but as he approaches the ravine, he, like, panics, and he tries to put the brakes on. The brakes are out. So he flies off the bridge, and luckily the the ravine is pretty shallow, so he immediately falls out of the side of the ravine and kind of tumbles. So it's not like a straight drop. Like, he he falls yeah. in such a okay. way that he is okay, and he looks up to see the man in army green, who is credited as Can Man. Okay. And that is because he is a— the he's also described as a vagabond, which I'm like, you never hear that word. No, it's on you Wikipedia. really don't. I'm like, who described him as a vagabond? But um, he cheers for Brian, and then he takes Brian's beer can, and he takes it to go recycle it. So, luckily, Can Man, he does not have the blob in his bag. He simply has a bunch of cans. We will see him later, presumably being eaten by the blob. Okay, great. Also, at no point do they call it the blob. And I think that's actually an excellent choice. Interesting. Because they don't know to call it the blob. We know it's the blob. We see it, and we say, well, that's the blob. But they're in it. Everyone has like sort of a different understanding of like what we're talking about, and it mm-hmm. takes a little while because then uh, before you see the blob, you're like, "What are you? Ta- what are we talking about? What are we trying to describe?" And then you see the blob. It's like, okay, well now I get it. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, at the local diner, we see Sheriff Herb Geller, and he's chatting with the waitress Fran, and he's like, "Oh, it's empty in here." And she's like, "Well, once the game is over, all the kids will be here, just like a flood." Yeah. And. She says, you know, it's been like, I mean, it's about to be ski season. Like, and she says the phrase, it's good to see people up on their hind legs about something. And I love that phrase. I've never wow, heard that. That's, that's so good. Um, so, you know, they're kind of like uh, waiting for tourist season. Things are, you know, whatever. And Sheriff clears his throat and he starts to ask Fran out. And he said, you know, there's a new band at the Tin Palace tonight. Ooh. And she says, Herb, are you asking me out? And he says, I, I guess so. Oh, and you can tell she's interested, but like, it's like her and the and the short order cook. Like she's yeah. like, I. It's really hard for me to I'm get away. Slammed. <laughs> yeah, he's like, that's okay. I completely understand. It's hard for everyone to make a living. Don't don't worry about it. I just in case you wanted to go. And then all the kids rush in, and he goes to pay his check, and she's written on it. I get off at eleven. And then with any luck, again at eleven thirty. Okay. <laughs> so the sheriff is of course thrilled, and he drives down the street, and he sees Brian flag. His his motorcycle has been wrecked at the ravine, so he got a lift into town. Okay. So his motorcycle is out of commission, and he's the bad boy of town, so then both the sheriff and the sheriff's deputy that we'll meet later, like, are just on his case constantly. Yeah. And he's like, oh, here's your birthday here. Soon, uh, Brian, 
you won't be 18 anymore. So you'll be out of the amateur leagues. It'll be in the pros. So if you get arrested, just so you know, you will be going to prison. And it's like, okay, thank you for telling me. And we also find out later, like, his mother is an alcoholic and his father's out of the picture. So it's like, I hope, again, we don't. But, like, on some level, it's like, so you're going to go harass a 17-year-old with, like, a lot of family problems? Like, okay, great. Thank you, officer. You know. Um, So Brian goes to the mechanic shop where he works part-time. And he asks his boss, whose name is Moss, so it's easy to remember. Okay, his Um, boss, Moss. Uh, the mechanic boss, Moss, if he can uh, borrow a ratchet set to go back to the ravine to pick, to fix his bike. And the ravine is called Elkins Grove. Okay. And Moss is like, I have to fix six ski three cats, and two flatbed snowmakers oh. by Monday. <laughs> cats like the... Yes, yeah, yeah. Construction equipment, not like, also, I'm fixing three cats. You know, we don't see them. So they don't them, keep reproducing. So I guess it's hypothetically he could do that. Yeah, it's yeah. a combination of mechanic shop and veterinarian's Veterinary, office. Yeah. I mean, how different could they possibly be? Seems, I don't know, Riz seems like a little car. Yeah. Little car that goes. Little car that goes. Um, and so he basically said, he also, we see him, there's a snowmaker that he's fixed and he opens it up and he's got two beers chilling in this, in the fictional, uh, the, what is it? Not fictional, um, fabricated snow. Like it's snow, yeah. but it's made inside a truck. Yeah. I don't know how they do that. It's fascinating. So I think it's he, just like really cold. Coolant. Yeah. yeah. Please write in. Please write gonna, in. Yes. If you, if you make fake snow, please tell us how. Um, because we're gonna need more and more of it as time goes yep. on. Watching this, I was like, there ain't no way they the, the the resort would have closed. Like, I'm I sorry mean, at this yeah, point. At this point, climate change, unfortunately. And so uh, he hands the other beer to Brian, and Brian's like, "Why are you in such a rush? Like, they want these right away. It's 70 degrees out." And Moss is like, "No, you know, it's he's it, it calls it Indian summer, but it's like you know, it's just it's gonna be cold before you know yeah. it." And Brian's like, I don't know, the last couple of years it only pissed snow, and this town is ready to fold. And Moss is like, no, no, I can feel it. There's going to be a ton of snow this year. It's going to be great. There's going to be a ton of tourists. Everyone's, like, just willing this into being, you know? Yes. And he lets Brian borrow the ratchets, provided he's willing to do work over the weekend and come in and help. And yep. Brian's like, yes, I could do that. I'll, I'll come okay. in. So, back on the woods, we see Can Man, and he's, of course, crushing cans. He's going to go recycle them. He's hanging out, or he says, build a fire with his little dog. Allison, he sees a meteorite soar over his head and into the woods. Um, so, this is, like, right at nightfall, basically. What that has to do with... Yes, there's a little special passenger that's about to become a very large special passenger. Mm, blobby. Um, meanwhile, in town, we see Paul and his football friend, Scott, who is a real fucking sleaze bag. They are yes. at the pharmacy and Scott asks Paul for $5 for his date with his, his girl, Vicky. And Paul obliges him and Scott goes to buy a pack of Trojans and some Banaka. Oh my God. And the Banaka. pharmacist, I know, remember Banaka? It's like, brush your yeah. teeth, motherfucker. Um, the pharmacist like steps away to get the condoms and as soon as he does, we see Reverend Meeker, who's like the town reverend, kind of sidle up to Scott and say, you know, we haven't seen you at Sunday services. So now Scott realizes that like the reverend is going to see him buy condoms. And also the reverend is played by Del Close. Of oh, one of the yeah. founders of, well, I mean, like a, a improv, improv uh, not the creator of improv, but uh, what would you call what, him? I think one of like the, the not father, but like. Daddy? The, 
the way the way it's done or has been done at least for the past like twenty five years is his method. Yes, he is a one of the according to Wikipedia one of the one of the influences on modern improvisational theater, and he co-founded Improv Olympic. So, yes. someone who is, uh, you know. Seminal to the improv and as someone who has done improv, you always hear about Del Close. Um, and he's playing the Reverend. And so Scott, because he's a coward and a bastard, says, Oh, uh, these aren't for me, they're for my friend. He's got he's a real dirtbag. He's got some naive girl he's going out with. And I actually forced him to come down here and use protection because I was like, it's the least you could do. <laughs> um, okay, bro. And then Paul doesn't know about this, so he's shouting, like, what's the holdup? I can't keep, like, keep his girl waiting. And it seems to confirm what Scott's story is, and the pharmacist comes up and asks, like, ribbed or, you know, regular. And uh, the Reverend's like, well, why are you buying the condoms that they're for your friend? And Scott's like, you know him. He's a dog. He wouldn't even buy him. I'm going to make him take these condoms. (laughs) And the pharmacist looks at Paul and says, that boy doesn't need condoms. He needs a muzzle. So Scott has cleverly deflected um, onto Paul. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Can Man is in the woods, finds a smoking crater where the meteorite has landed. Yes, and of course. of course, he does what you do when you find a smoking crater in the woods. He takes a big stick and just kind of jams it into the hole. Yes, I would absolutely. do that. We all would that do would that. Be, yes, you would be like, let me just see. Yeah, I'll just poke it and see what comes out. Unfortunately, yeah. when he lifts the stick, there's like a huge melted mass of sort of a caramely-like um, yes. consistency. It is the blob. So he's picked yeah. up a piece of the blob. And unfortunately, Elson, the piece of the blob darts up the stick toward the can man's hand. No. And he screams in pain. Understandably. We cut to uh, Meg Penny's house, and there's kind of like the uh, suburban chaos in the late 80s. So, you know, there's like... Uh, her younger brother Kevin with his friend Eddie, and they're like slurping Jello off of a plate. And I think they're supposed to be like ten or eleven, like pre-adolescent, but precocious. So they're like, "Geez, mom!" Mm-hmm. And her mother, Mrs. Penny, comes over, chides them, and she's like, uh, "They tell her like we're going to go bowling with uh, Eddie's older brother Anthony." And then Eddie blurts out, and then we're going to go see Garden Tool Massacre because my brother's the usher and can get us in. Garden Tool Massacre, a horror movie? Yes. Okay, now I need that to exist. <laughs> well, you do see clips of it later, and it looks, I 100% Amazing. want to see it. Yes. And, but Kevin's like, why would you tell my mom that she's not going to let me go? So, of course, Miss Penny forbids him from going. And Kevin's like, you're an idiot, Eddie. Um, meanwhile, Meg's running around being like, I have a date. My sweater got shrunk in the wash. And Mrs. Penny gives her her cashmere sweater to wear. And then as a result, Meg has a look on that is, I I just, somebody must be doing it, but it's like a sort of like woodland brown forest Mm -hmm. green sweater with a uh, button down top underneath and a string of pearls. You're never seeing that. You're never seeing that. Someone should bring that back. That's such a good look. Like that, that suburban mom, and then mm. I have a, I have a comfortable sweater and a string of pearls. Incredible, incredible. Um, finally, a look. finally, Paul shows up to pick up Meg. Mrs. Penny invites him in, and Kevin and Eddie head out because they're sleeping over at Eddie's house. And she again is like, "Do not go see that movie." Of course, we know they're going to sneak out and go see the movie. Yes. We also see on her way out that she makes Kevin put on a jacket, and the zipper keeps sticking. Of course, we're going to see that later. Um, please wear a functional zipper when the blob is in town is yeah, uh, what I, guess, I would like, say. You should always have a jacket with like a functional zipper or buttons because you don't know if it's a yes. day that you're going to encounter the blob. 
Yeah, and remember, what would the blob do? Right. Like, not for you to do the same, but, like, if, if the blob's there, it will try to eat you, so just try to plan around it. Yeah, it's kind of like that rule of, like, always wear clean underwear in case you get in a car accident, and, like, that's part of it. I mean, imagine having such filthy like, underwear. But also, it's like, who is judging somebody's underwear? Where it's like, oh, I'm sorry, my dead body doesn't have yeah. clean underwear? Or, like, <laughs> my badly, like, grow up. If you're if you're looking at my underwear when I'm in a car accident, you're the pervert. Yes. You're the pervert. That's what I would say. Um... Before they leave, Meg says to Paul, you know, my dad just got home. I want to, just I wanted to introduce you because he wants to meet anyone I'm going out with. Allison, Paul walks in the room to meet her father. It is the pharmacist that Scott bought the condoms from. Oh, boy. And the pharmacist sees him and just goes, ribbed. <laughs> Which, I, I again, excellent. Incredible. He Meanwhile, um, Brian is, he ate. He ate, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Brian is still working on his bike. So he's in the woods trying to fix his bike enough to drive it home, but it's the middle of the night. It's dark. And of course he hears the sounds of screaming, Allison. Oh, good, good, good. And he looks up in time to see the canned man screaming and swinging down a hatchet. And so again, of course, immediately assume, oh no, he's about to hatchet me. No, the canned man is trying to cut off his own hand because the blob has started to dissolve his hand and he's trying to cut off the, I mean, the blob part. That's... Smart. Uh, what else are you going to do? It's something. Like, I don't know what I, like. Yeah. I don't know if I would have the foresight in that oh, moment no. to be like, I should stop this before it goes any further. Exactly. Instead of trying to undo what's already been done. And the idea is like the blob is like dissolving him like acid. Oh my God. So he's still alive while his hand is being dissolved by the blob. <gasps> no. Unfortunately, as soon as he cuts, Man. like, you know, you can't just sw- cut up your arm with one swing. No. You I have assume. to like saw it off. As soon as the blob feels or tastes the blood, it just starts rushing up his arm. So there's nothing no, you could do. That's and a Brian bad tries way to, to like, go. I know. And Brian tries to, like, help him and run to him, but the can man, like, runs off panicked into the woods. Yes. And Brian tries to chase him down to see if what he could help. Because Brian doesn't know what's going on either, obviously. Uh, who would at that point? <laughs> Fortunately, our, our the fates of our characters are about to um, collide. Uh, Paul is allowed to take Meg out, and... Meg's like, I'm really sorry about my dad. I've never seen him like that. And Paul says, nope, it's not his fault. It's Paul's Jeskies. He's going to fucking die. That's his fault. So apparently they did hash it out and they still let Paul take her out. Unfortunately, as they drive along a mountain road, Can Man runs into the middle of the road and they hit him. And they say, Oh my God. Can Man. This poor bastard. This poor bastard. Yeah. What a day. What a day for Can Man. And Brian runs out of the woods after him. They all start yelling at each other. It's like, Paul's like, Brian, what did you do to him? He's like, I didn't do anything. Look at his hand. He's got some sort of corrosive chemical on it. And they argue, but eventually, Megan, uh, there's a lot of lines in this that Mm. are like, are you two done yet? Like that very, like, something that is said in every movie from like 1985 to 2012. Yes. I was a woman going, are you two done yet? Um, and eventually they were, so they put Cam in in the back of the car, and the Cam man's telling, trying to tell him like from the sky, it fell from the sky. But they they're like, I can't, I don't, I don't know, know what's happening. About. Yeah, yeah. So all three drive him to the hospital, and as soon as they go in, um, they have him wait. He's in bad shape. You know, he's been not only has the corrosive thing, he's been hit by a car, and he has hatchet wounds. I and mean, it's a lot. Poor bastard. And so they're waiting there and they go to the front desk. They're also, these three are teenagers, by the way. Yeah. And they go, they're like, oh, this guy got hit by a car. He's acid on his hand. And the nurse says, Does he have Blue Cross? 
I don't know. Medical insurance of any kind? America. I was like, this, I love this movie. Yeah. Um, and she calls the orderly over and puts Can Man in room three and so asks the teens to fill out paperwork, which again, I was like, like, what are you He's a man about? we hit. Like, I don't know I don't what else know you him. want me to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know his medical history. Um, but Brian is genuinely concerned about Can Man. And we see Meg, like, see Brian being, like, tender with him. And you see, like, the first moment of Meg being like, oh, actually, I like Brian a lot. So mm. um, Brian leaves and says, these people don't care about what happened. If you need me, you know I'll be me where I'll be. Yeah. Back at the Grove. Um, I would have called my parents, but instead they just start filling out yes. Can Man's paperwork. I don't know. Oh, my God. But at a certain point, Paul gets up to go buy a mega soda. And when he does, he can see into Can Man's room. And it looks like there's something sliding under the blanket over Can Man's body like a snake. Allison, no. he walks to the room past the doctor's office. And Can Man's head turns. And he sees his throat is distended and pulsing. Like there is something inside his body. No. Paul freaks out and rushes to the doctor's office who is speaking to a patient and yells, I'm speaking to a patient. And of course, Paul's like, I, I, there's a man who's dying. And the doctor's played by Jack Nance, who is also from Twin Peaks. Oh, interesting. Well, that could be part of the vibe. Yes, absolutely. And he's great and perfect in this like kind of like, you know, a doctor confronted with the horrors of, of the world. Yes. And so he rushes in and they he pulls back Can Man's blanket to reveal Can Man's entire body south of his torso has been eaten away as if by acid. Okay. So the blob has dissolved him and he is dead. Well, yeah. He's well, out of yeah. organs. Well, yeah. Uh yeah, you need a you need a um, a quorum of organs to survive, yes. and he no longer has them. No. So the doctor runs over to like the emergency, like get all the nurses in here. And Paul runs to the phone in the doctor's office to call the sheriff's uh, department to be like, somebody's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote, it's a, a report of murder, report of mystery. Yeah, it's not even a murder at this point. It's just like, something's happening? Yeah, some guy fell apart and we don't, yeah. and turned into goo. He dissolved in a bed. So, help? Meanwhile, uh, Meg hears the commotion and call, says Paul and runs down to try to help. Just as Paul connects with Sheriff Geller at the sheriff's office, we see from behind the door from the ceiling drops what looks like a giant moving sentient uterus the size of a cow. What? Like a dark pink purple like organ like the reaching. The size of a cow? It's huge. It's gigantic. Bigger than a person. Wow. It is That's on the ceiling. That's an interesting measurement to use. I'm trying to think. What's something else no, the size I mean, I of a think car? That's like it's a smaller good, like, than I'm a like, car. I know how big a cow is. Yeah, it's 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 bigger than a person, smaller than a car. So yeah. I guess cow. in my mind, a cow. No, cow. Cow is it? Because cows are pretty big. Yeah. So it descends to the back of Paul's head. He doesn't see it. We do, of course. And right. he's on the phone with the sheriff. He's like, "I'm down here with Meg and Brian Flag was here earlier." And as soon as he says Brian Flag, the sheriff's like, "Oh, I bet it was him. Oh, he man, did this." He's always like dissolving people. Yeah, he didn't create the blob. And as he talks, we the audience see drops of liquid falling onto the doctor's desk, dissolving the wood. And finally, Paul looks up to see the blob falling on him. He screams and Meg runs to the door and sees the blob consuming Paul alive and shrieking and is dissolving the skin off his face and his eyes out of his head. And okay. finally, the integrity of his skull collapses. You and need, your skull to, needs integrity. You, it really does. It really We does. all need integrity, and our skulls need it most of all. Keep your hair on and your brain in. 
and his face sort of warps into like a ghost face, like extended Aye. human face with no eyes. The effects are great. The effects are incredible. And he's, of course, screaming as his skull, uh, you know, collapses in. And she tries to grab his arm, and his arm just comes off in her hand no. at the elbow. Mm-mm. And so, of course, she faints, because you would faint when you see that. I can't imagine another physical response to that experience. She, her body says, absolutely Maybe throwing not. up. <laughs> yes, that's, I would do that first. I would throw up while fainting. Yes, yes. I'd pass out and hit the floor when my vomit does. Exactly. And uh, But luckily, at least, it gets a little break. Unfortunately, she is passed out. Near, of course, the blob, um, yes. which, uh, you know, is probably the worst place to— It's a tough uh, place to be. Exactly. I also want to say that the special effects in the film were done by t- uh, Tony Gardner, and uh, they did an excellent, excellent job. Um, and he ended up having a crew of 33, including artist Chet Czar and mechanical designer Bill Sturgeon. Excellent work. To all of these people. Yes. Terrifying, disgusting. And again, uh, uh, practical effects are just better. Anytime. And obviously some of this is, is, you know, a computer-generated image. But a lot of it is practical. Like this, his body being taken over the blob is clearly practical. Um, And it was incredibly well done. Um, So she passes out. When she comes to Allison... The blob is gone, and so is Paul's body. That's, that's not good. And the cops arrived, and everyone thinks that Meg is just being hysterical. Um, well, when isn't that, the arm, what happened in the arm she pulled off? I is guess the gone? blob ate it when she was asleep. Okay, so that was my question. Is the blob eating things and, like, uh, like growing and yes. adapting from them, or is it just destroying I mean, I guess this is they ate, so I should assume it's, like, consuming. But That's a great question. Yes. We find out later that the supposition, and I like that it's never really confirmed because they don't really know enough about this. How could you possibly study the blob? Yes, exactly. Um, they It implies that it is hunting its prey. Okay. So I think the idea, so the real question is why wouldn't it, it, may, why wouldn't it have just eaten Meg when she's right. passed out? That, I think, is just a plot contrivance. Yeah, we just need somebody to keep it moving. Yes, yeah, so it is getting larger as it consumes more calories, but also it is intentionally eating these people yes. as a okay. sentient decision. That's yeah. what it eats. Okay. Um, it ate. Right. Um, and so everyone's like, we know something horrible happened. The can man looks a mess. Paul's body is missing. But again, they're like, she's a hysterical teenage girl. Probably he was regular murdered. Now she's in shock and we have to find out what happened. No. And the sheriff says, and they put her in a car to go home. The sheriff goes, we need to find the son of a bitch who did this. And then a cruiser pulls up and in the back is Brian Flagg. And the deputy, whose name is Deputy Bragg, says, maybe we already have. Gentlemen, is this, can we not open our minds to the fact it's not this one kid that you you hate so much? Who, how right. would he be able to, like, how, using what means? How would he have right. done this? Right. It's not like, this is a huge step from, like, loitering and, like, any other, like, where it's like, oh, you, right. like, knocked over a tree with your motorcycle. Like, what, like whatever, like, youthful and juvenile pranks yes. and, like, bad boy stuff he's been doing. Like, now several people are missing. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, 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 yes, it, it involves, it implies an escalation that we haven't seen from Brian. Yes. Um, it would be a lot quick, like short. Yeah. 
cut to someone who absolutely should be killed by the blob and fortunately will be. Scott, Paul's friend, is on a date with Vicky, his girlfriend, okay. and is trying to get her drunk enough that she will agree to have sex with him. Cool. Um, it is the 80s. There was a lot more yep. of that. I always think of... Um, uh, uh, Revenge of the Nerds, where yep. one of the nerds has sex with a woman while dressed as Darth Vader, and she's under the impression that he's that her boyfriend. Else. Yes. Which, of course, is sexual assault. Yes, that is assault. And so she's, like, really out of it already, and she, but she sees they could, they're on a cliff looking over the hospital. So she's like, why are all these lights there? Because she could see all the cops that have arrived at the hospital. And Scott goes, oh, it's probably just a promotional event. They're giving away free tonsillectomies. And it's like, I need the blob to show up. As yeah. soon as possible for this yes. guy. Yes. And he looks at Vicky, who again is like eyes closed, like nodding off. And he goes, you know, it looks like you need one of my, another one of my cherry coolers. And she says oh no God. and physically pushes him away. So again, I hope that he's broken down to his yes. component parts Destroy by the blob. Yes. Dissolve the blob. him quickly. Or not, not quickly, slowly. Um, but arrive quickly. And Scott gets up and he opens his trunk and there's like a full bar. Like he has all these different drinks and he's put, clearly making like girl drinks yeah. to like get girls drunk. Yes. And not only do we see him making like, putting like, I mean, just trying to essentially like anesthetize a, a teenage girl with this. Yes. We also see he, he cause he told Vicky like, you know, I gave you my school ring. That means that we're going steady. So that means we're going to, you know, yep. and then he just has a cigar box full of fake school rings. So he's such a piece of shit. He's not just trying to get this girl drunk to have sex with her. He's giving different rings in a sociopathic bid to create intimacy with these women. And I need the blob to handle it now. Get him. Get the blob here. Destroy this boy. Fortunately, he has left the t- car, uh, the driver's side door open when he went to the trunk, and we see and hear something slithering through the grass and into the car. Great. And when he gets into the car, Vicky is completely passed out, looks unconscious. So he's, of course, going to try to rape her. And he looks on, down her Rob. shirt, and he's, like, having a one-sided conversation with her, which is so fucking dark. And he's like, oh, wow, it is hot in here. I, I probably I think it'd be a lot cooler if I unbuttoned your shirt. Oh, you want me to, uh, to do another button? So again, it's like, I need God's Die. blob Die. to turn this man into mashed potatoes. Blob him. When he reaches into her shirt, Allison, a tentacle of the blob shoots out and grabs him. Oh, so it had already gotten into her. Exactly. And we mm. see her skull collapse inward and tendrils of the blob. It's sort of like when you hold a, um, like a, fi- like a garden hose. Mm. Like, as her skull collapses, tendrils of blob shoot out. Yes. Like, tentacles and grab Scott. And Bye-bye. we see him screaming, and he kicks out the driver's side window, and we know um, Scott got his last desserts. Scott got got. Um, which, of course, is a big old heap of a helmet of blob. Back at home, we see Meg is crying in bed, looking at a snow globe, and her dad is raging, and her dad goes, I knew she never should have gone out with that guy. It's like, that guy was murdered and disappeared. Yeah. And you're, like, mad that he took her. Like, there's, this is not, you're mad about the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and her Mrs. Penny comes in to give Meg a sedative, and Meg says, do you, do you believe me? Do you believe I saw what I saw? And her mom says, I'm sure the police will have this whole thing settled by the morning. <sighs> that is a real, that's like a disappointment. Settled. I saw Paul get eaten by the blob. I pulled someone's arm off. Like, yeah. We, and then her mom shuts out the light and says, 
you're safe. That's all that matters. That is just not true. And she shuts the door. Allison, at this point, if you're Meg, what do you do? What would you do? I mean, I guess I'm a little unclear on, like, how the blob moves through matter. Um, They do play a little fast and loose with it. Okay, so there's Um, not, like, a... Because I'd be like, I'm going to just then lock myself in this room and everybody else can... Go figure it out. I'm not going back outside. I'm not going back anywhere. Like, this is, I'm just. I think if you were to be inside of an airtight bunker, that would work. But the problem with the blob is the blob can, as we will see soon, say get under a door. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Any kind of crack in anything. And then, honestly, it eventually gets to such a size that a wooden door, the weight of it will break through a wooden door. And or glass, okay. you know, okay. it, it it might not be able to open a doorknob, well, but it doesn't in the need car to. And I'm just driving until Get the fuck I'm out of there. somewhere else. Get the fuck out of there. Ruin is brought to you by Karyuma. We love Karyuma and their comfortable, cool, stylishly made sneakers. We love them so much that we just released our second collaboration with them, a love it or leave it sneaker. They come in pink and black and have a really fun LA-inspired design with lots of details love it or leave it fans will absolutely recognize. And everybody loves details. Recognizable details? That's what I want. I don't want unrecognizable details. I don't want to be scared. I don't want to look down and be like, I don't even recognize these details. (laughs) Where do these details come from? We're gearing up for canvassing season, so now's the perfect time to step up your shoe game with super comfortable sneakers crafted with conscientiously sourced materials. Plus, Karyoma plants two trees in the Brazilian rainforest for each pair purchased. And as always, the Crooked Store donates a portion of the proceeds from every purchase to Vote Save America's Every Last Vote Fund, supporting organizations that work year-round to support access to the ballot and empower new voters to participate in the process. I mean, that is a cause everybody can get behind. Like, that and trees, like, you kind of have no choice. So head to crooked.com slash store and grab a pair now. The savings rock when you find a new way to roll. Like sharing the ride to work. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, Commuter Connections can match you with others who live and work near you. It's easy and free. Plus, you can get cash and other rewards for carpooling, up to $600 a year. Get rolling on a new way to work with Rideshare. Register today at commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay, leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Uh, we see Meg is put, instead of taking the sedative, put it on her nightstand. She throws up in the window and she's headed out the night, into the night because she's not going to let this stand, Allison. She I could gonna, let it stand if it meant that I could get away. But I think maybe it, 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 the, the gap between moment. escape and the blob is narrowing. You yes, know? that's what it feels like. And, and unfortunately, it's going to get even more narrow because we see the blob, which has Scott's fake school ring in it slide into the sewer. So now it's in the sewer system. Great. Headed down towards town. Mm, Of course it is. Um, At the police station, we see Deputy Bragg haranguing Brian. Basically like, we know you did this. And it's like, you are just lying to someone and intimidating him. And he gets really close to Brian to threaten him. And Brian licks the deputy's mouth. And the the deputy's about to punch him when the sheriff has to like break them up. 
But the deputy's clearly like, consumed with punishing Brian for Paul's murder. But the sheriff's like, listen, he has no motive. No one puts him at the scene when Paul was dead. And he doesn't have a drop of blood on him. Mm-hmm. Let him go. We This clearly yeah. wasn't him. Also, I'm like, he's 17. Like, not that a 17-year-old could kill somebody, unfortunately. But they're not planning the perfect murder. Like, what are you right. talking about? No, he's still a kid. Like, there's this body's disappeared. Right. Like, the no. only one who could plan a perfect mur- murder is the is blob. The blob. So Brian leaves the PlayStation right as Meg arrives because Meg was arriving to try to bail him out. And she says, I need to talk to you. You were there. You saw that thing on the can man's hand. And he's like, listen, I'm a rebel. I'm a lone wolf. I don't have to help you. I don't have to help anyone. I actually only take care of myself. Cool. And he goes to the diner, which is closing up. But Fran says, oh, the grill's off, but I'll make you a sandwich. And Meg storms in after and says, and he says, again, another classic 80s movie line. You don't give up, don't you? Oh, my I don't. God. I can't. I love the 80s. And she says, look, no one believes me about what happened, but you saw it. And he says, I just saw an old man with a funky hand. That's all. And she says, that kill, that thing killed the old man. And then it killed Paul. And it was getting bigger. So what the fuck are we doing? Mm-hmm. And Brian says, did you tell the cops that? Because you sound strung out. And she says, you know what? You pretend to be a rebel. Like, oh, you do your own thing. I thought you were different. But I see that you're just like everyone else in this town. You're full of shit. And she tries okay. to storm out, but the front door is locked from the inside, which I think was a funny physical fun. comedy bit. That's a oh, fun like, moment. Just like, oh. And so he apologizes and has her sit down and gives her half sandwich and tries to like talk, start talking to her. Meanwhile, over the sheriff's office, it's all hands on deck looking for Paul's body, like trying to figure out like what happened. Mm-hmm. But all hands on deck are the sheriff, the deputy, and six volunteers, and then the dispatch lady who that answers 911 calls. Just not enough to stop a blob. Exactly. And again, the small town, I mean, we not, they're not used to a blob. That's all know? that's there. Nobody was prepared being like, well, it's not quite tourist season. It is blob season. Well, and, and now we all have to get prepared for that. And Sheriff Geller also has his other mo- ulterior motive where he's looking at his note from Fran that says, I'll be off at 11, or I get off at 11. And he goes, Ugh, I'm just worried about a friend. I guess I'm worried about everybody tonight. And then he heads out. Okay. Meanwhile, we see Fran give Megan Bryan, she had two pieces of pie. She's like, I was going to throw them out anyways. Just enjoy them. Okay. While George, Goodbye. the short order kick cook, is like cleaning up in the back. And he starts to plunge the sink because it stopped up. Allison. Uh-oh. I think I know what's in the sink. You sure do. He reaches mm. in the drain, like we saw wow. in the trailer, to pull out some slime. And he reaches in again, and the slime immediately starts dragging his body into the drain. Yeah, that's going to happen when you're Absolutely. blobbing. And he screams, and Fran, Brian, and Meg run into the kitchen in time to see George's broken, bloody limbs snapping as he's pulled headfirst into the sink drain. No. So his skeleton is sort of like shattering yes. like twigs and blood Oy. is spraying everywhere again no. in an excellent effect. Until finally there's just his little foot hanging out of the top. Oh, foot. And then the blob shoots out of the fucking yeah. well, uh, sink drain. And it's just in the diner. They run, uh, Meg and Brian run into the freezer, chased by the blob, and shut the door only to see the blob start to come underneath the door and then when it touches the frost of the freezer, it pulls back. Okay, so it can't get cold. Exactly. The blob hates freezing temperatures. And then you're like, well, okay, well, ski season can't come fast enough. We're going right. to need to be cold like, here. Let's get, let's get people on the slopes and blob out of here. Exactly. 
Meanwhile, they're huddled there. Fran breaks a window to escape because, again, the front door is locked from the inside. She runs into the alley into a phone booth to call the sheriff because she has his number down. We left her his number. And she gets in and makes a call. As soon as the the phone rings, she looks up and the blob is descending over the phone booth. And she's screaming and Fran screams, I need to talk to Sheriff Geller. And the dispatch says, Sheriff Geller, oh, he went down to the diner. And Fran turns to look into the blob, and she sees Sheriff Geller's half-dissolved face floating in the ooze. No, you, that, you hate to see that. Allison, his eyes are still moving. You hate to see it. And they'll he never get to go on that date. It. But yeah. I guess they'll be able to go to a date in heaven, because as Fran tries to hold her oh, foot no. against the door. It can't. I mean, the, the, blob, the blob is it's bigger the blob, than— baby. Bigger than love. <laughs> Bigger than all of us. Exactly. And the glass of the booth explodes, and the blob sort of explodes inside like water, like a tsunami, and crushes her and envelops her as she screams. Mm-hmm. So now Fran is dead as well. Meg and Brian kind of try to listen at the door for the blob, the door of the freezer, and Brian gets a meat hook, and they start to get out of the freezer trying to figure out how to escape. And she says, the front door is locked. And he picks up a brick and says, don't worry, I've got a key. Mm. Which again, an excellent line. Really good. Meanwhile, we see Reverend Meeker, played by Del Close, walking down the empty main street past the diner. When he hears something strange and he sees the blob, which is, looks like it's like 20 feet across now, slithering back into the sewer. A lot of slithering. And the reverend approaches the diner and sees, like, the front door is busted in. So he must have arrived about five minutes after Meg and Brian left, right? Yeah. I do like that the way this is, like, we are picking up strands in a way where, like, we don't have to see them break the door. We know what happened. And so he's arriving, like, ten minutes after they left, right? And he starts to go through, being like, is anyone hurt? Is anyone okay? And he gets to the freezer, and he finds on the ground little bits of broken off and frozen blob, Attached to the frost, because when the frozen blob, because when the bob, blob freezes, it becomes a crystal. So yes. he—they uh, look like gemstones. Oh, so ooh. of course, he takes a jar and he starts putting them inside, and they're sort of glimmering and have like a purple electric light in it. And he's looking at them. Sounds beautiful. I know. So of course you understand. Of course you'd go pick it up. So um, Brian and Meg run down to the police station because it's nearby, and the dispatcher's like, "I don't know where the sheriff is. We know he's in the blob, um, but the deputy went down to Elkins Grove." to try to find anything, try to find yeah. what happened. And that's where the can man, of course, first found the blob. Right, of course. Allison, they uh, they arrive and they find the deputy's cruiser flashing his life, but they can't find uh, Deputy Braggs. And they walk into the woods and they see a piercing bright light. And they find that the government has arrived. We've got scientists in biosuits, helicopters. Of course, the researchers in biosuits immediately pull guns on them. But then the leader of the researchers, Dr. Meadows, and they're all in these white biohazard suits, steps forward to calm everything down and say, hey, we are a government-sanctioned biological containment team. Okay. We have been sent to figure out what the fuck is going on. And he is joined by Colonel Hargis, who is a colonel with them. And Debbie Braggs is also still alive, and he storms over to yell at Brian and be like, cut the bullshit. It's like, you even now you have to be on this kid's case. Yes. Please. Like, just focus on what needs to be focused on focus right on now. Focus on the blob, bitch. And Dr. Meadows tells them there was a meteorite who la- that landed. We are microbe hunters. And he mm-hmm. tells them... Dinosaurs ruled our planet for millions of years. And yet they died out almost overnight. Why? A meteor fell to Earth bearing an alien bacteria. Plague? 
Is that what this whole thing is about? Prevention. The implication is, oh, it wasn't like climate change or it wasn't like the effect on the planet that killed the dinosaurs. The meteor that killed the dinosaurs actually unleashed some sort of blob. Yeah, virus or bacteria. It had a blob. And Brian's like, do you actually think that something like that could happen? And Dr. Matters tells him, it's something I've expected and prepared for all my life. All your life? All your life? The first 18 years even. Yeah. But Brian says, well, I'll tell you what. If that meteor brought something, if if it's germ, it's the biggest son of a bitch I've ever seen. (laughs) Calling someone a son of a bitch is such a... It's Yeah, it's so good. Not even just someone. Calling the blob a son of a bitch is really funny. So we then see two camp counselors making out in the woods. And there's a guy nearby trimming the hedges. Mm -hmm. And the guy says, isn't it a little late for that? For trimming the hedges? What if the guy's a peeping Tom? And the girl replies, well, let's give him something to peep at. And then they start making out. And then the guy trimming the hedges lifts his head and revs his weed whacker. And and he's wearing a hockey mask. And the guy goes, wait a minute. Hockey season ended months ago. And they scream. And we are, of course, watching Garden Tool Massacre. We are in the theater with Kevin and Eddie. Movie within a movie. And incredibly, they are being annoyed by a guy who keeps spoiling the movie behind them. (laughs) And he's like narrating it to his extremely bored and annoyed looking girlfriend. And he's like, oh man, you're going to love this part. Oh, you won't believe what's about to happen. And Kevin tries to oh turn around God. and say, shut up. And the guy says, you shut up, which is the civil. This is what the, the discourse is in our country right now. So. Correct. Yeah. Shut up. You shut up. Yeah. That's it. And we see Anthony come over. Anthony, of course, is the usher. He's Eddie's older brother. He's like, don't get in trouble. If mom, if you get in trouble, I get in trouble. Put your feet down. Stop talking to people. Um, meanwhile, the projectionist is up in his projection room and he's playing with a yogo and he's sweating. It's incredibly hot up there. The AC is not Uh-oh. working, Allison. Uh-oh. And he hears a sound in the air vent, so he opens it up and he calls down to the manager. He's like, the AC is broken. It's boiling up here. And the manager says, it's not. It's on a full blast. It's working everywhere else in the theater. Mm. Allison, the projectionist, puts his head inside the duct and screams as, of course, the blob descends on him. Blob, blob's gonna blob, you know? And then the theater manager arrives. Of course, it's totally dark in the projection room. He doesn't know where the projectionist is. And then he sees a yo-yo drop from the ceiling, Allison. And we, a yo-yo? Well, because the projectionist was playing with a yo-yo. So again, oh, it's I just see. it's just a stylistic choice to have the yo-yo drop. Mm-hmm. And he looks up and he sees that the projectionist is being absorbed into the blob, which has covered the entire ceiling Tough. like a slime mold. Mm-hmm. And yes. so his face is kind of being absorbed into the slime mold. Sort of, It's very Cronenberg-esque. Yes. Um, back in the woods, we see Brian and Meg are taken to a van and said the entire town is now under quarantine, including you. And they try to dip, but they are loaded back in the van and taken back to town regardless. So everyone in Arborville is no longer allowed to leave, and they're going to start rounding everybody up and taking them to town hall to quarantine them from whatever this bacteria might be. That's what at least they're telling people at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they're in the back of the van. They're alone. Brian's freaking out. And Meg says, they're here to help us. Well, he's not believing it, of course. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I know something bad is going to happen. I'm going to escape. And he goes to open the back door and jump out of the moving van. And he tells her, come on. But she says, I have to go help my family. And he says, well, I have to look out for myself. I'm the only one who can. Or the only one who has offered to do the job, basically. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm a lone wolf. I'm not like you. I can't let anyone care about me. And then he opens the door and he fucking jumps out of a moving van and we see her close the door after him. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in town, all of the containment agents in the biosuits 
are taking everyone from their home and bringing them to the town hall, which seems like it's just setting up a big blob attack to have everyone in one place. But, you know, what yeah. do I know? I'm not the federal government. No, it doesn't seem the smartest, but it, if you're the blob, it seems like a great day. Exactly. I think the blob's going to love what they've got cooking for him or it. Uh, so Meg finds her parents, but when they find Eddie's parents, they're like, wait a minute. Eddie told us that he was sleeping over at your son's house. Uh-oh. He's at that damn movie. So the dad starts to argue with one of the containment team members to let him go to the movie theater. Meg just sneaks off to try to go find the boys. Uh, we cut back to the movie theater. They don't know about the blob yet. Not yet. And the guy behind about him, to. he keeps he spoiling. He's like, oh, you're going to love this. He's hot curls her to death. And Kevin turns around to tell him to shut up again, just in time to see the jerk jerked up to the ceiling and the blob expanding over the room. Oh, boy. Rapidly. And Allison, I ask you at this point, who will survive? Who will survive? Who do we have left? Um, we have Brian and Meg. Mm-hmm. We have Kevin and Eddie, the little boys. We have Meg's parents. We have Dr. Meadows, the head of the containment team. We have Deputy Braggs. Um, we have Reverend Meeker. We have mm-hmm. Moss, the mechanic. Um, I think that's okay. those are our major players. I think the blob is going to take over the town and they're going to shut down the town. So we'll just have the containment force leader left. Okay. All right. And he'll shut everything down and be like, all right. And they'll like freeze the blob to death. But after like, Mm -hmm. I could see the, the fake snow and where this is going to come from. But like, I I don't, I don't think it's good for this town. Yeah. It's kind of like the crazies where like at the end, again, spoiler for the crazies, which is excellent. Where it's like, well, we're just going to take you to somewhere else where this is happening. Yep. Yep. Uh, Excellent guess. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Just as Meg arrives at the theater, she is greeted by people are screaming and running because the blob, blob again, loves to drop from the ceiling. So the blob is dropped onto the crowd, starts absorbing people, dissolving people. Other people are running to the exits. It's total chaos. Fortunately, Meg finds Kevin and Eddie still alive, pulls them through an exit door. They slam the door. They're now in the alley, and it catches Kevin's jacket. Allison, they try to get his jacket off, and the goddamn zipper sticks, foreshadowing. Once again, Better zippers. Or just buttons. Go buttons. In case of the blob. Exactly. In case of blob. In case of blob. Buttons. So (laughs) Meg's able to rip it off, and they finally run down the alley, but they they run the wrong way. So they are now trapped at the back of an alley versus running to the street, and the blob is emerged into the alley, cutting them off. 
leaving them one option, which is to go into a manhole into the sewer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Anthony is like in the, like basically screaming from the second story of the movie theater, like sees them try to escape, but can't get to them because the blob is there. Um, Meanwhile, Brian, because he's left out of the van, goes back to the Grove to get his bike, um, which now he was able to fix. So he's going to take his bike and just fucking leave town. I mean, the only good idea I've heard yet. However, he's arriving right as they're lifting the meteorite out of the crater. But Allison, it is not a meteorite at all. It is an American satellite. Uh Uh-oh. And we basically find out, Dr. Meadows said, We suspected that conditions in space would have a mutating effect on bacteria. But this, our little experimental virus, seems to have grown up into a plasmic life form that hunts its prey. A predator is fantastic. satellite was in fact doing an experiment as part of a larger study about chemical and biological warfare. Nope. So the satellite held, held, held a bacteria and basically they were going to send the bacteria to space to affect how space mutates bacteria, which they've done that kind of thing on the space station before, just like taking certain yeah, yeah, yeah. plants and, and stuff to spaces to see what space does. And unfortunately, right. Allison, it has turned it into a, what they call a plasmic life form that hunts its prey. Okay. Like, it's one thing if it's like, oh, it's poisonous. It's another if it's like, it's actively looking to eat people. Yes, it's it, it, it's down to clown. It wants to consume. Down to clown. And the colonel, uh, Colonel Hargis says, this will put us ahead of the Russians. Will it? The you want the blob to eat the Russians? Like, what are we doing? Also, how would we be able to control? We can't control the blob now. Why would we be able to right. control You're the blob? You're certainly not going to be able to like, yeah. explain geopolitics to it. Also, it's very cold in parts of Russia. It's not going to like yeah. that at all. Yeah, the blob's not going to hang out in Siberia. That's like not the blob's vibe. Um, one of the other doctors, Jennings, says, you don't get it. it. The blob is already a thousand times bigger than its original size. By next week, Uh-oh. this there might not be a U.S. The, the idea of like U.S. versus Russia, it's like, bitch, we, what are we going to do? But Dr. Meadows hey. says, no, we are scientists, which means we have hubris, and it'll be fine if we contain it, which again, you haven't shown that not, you could do, but okay. Nope. So he and Jennings get into a full argument while Brian's listening, and Meadows says, listen, there are nations at stake. There's a globe at stake. And frankly, that is more important than a handful of people in this town. And what happens to them, whatever it is, then that will be my cross to bear. Basically saying, if I have to fucking blow up this town, town then that's what has to happen. the world. So Brian, because he is a good person, is like, fuck, I can't leave and let them burn down the town. Okay. And so he heads back um, into town. But right then, as he turns, he hears him get a call that the blob has made it into the sewer. And he can hear Anthony shouting, my brother and Kevin and Meg are down there. So now he's like, great, Meg's in the sewer with the blob. Clearly, we're already falling in love. And even beyond that, I am a decent human being, even though I I, yes. I, I try to be a loner because I've been wounded by the world. And this is right. my moment to become a hero. And Meadow says, actually, it's good this is in the sewer because it's a contained area. There aren't a lot of humans yes. down there. So we just had to figure out how to keep it there. But then they said, well, what about the three civilians we do know? We, they just said, you know, Meg, right. Kevin, Eddie. Yeah, we know that they're there. And Meadow says, they're expendable. <gasps> right at that moment, another uh, team member finds Brian and this is basically like, halt, there's, a, there's an intruder. And Brian smashes the uh, face mask on his bio suit and tears off on his motorcycle. Allison, it's time for a car chase. Oh, finally. And it wouldn't be the third act without one. 
So they chase Brian down. They've got trucks. They have a helicopter. They have like, uh, you know, CDC ATVs. And they chase him all the way, Allison, mm. to that broken bridge that he failed to jump at the beginning of the film. And this is why I love I love screenwriting, but I especially love 80s movies. Because when yeah. you saw him fail, you knew he was going to have to jump like, again. He's going to make it later. Allison, he guns it. He hits a jump while being <laughs> shot at. Okay. And he makes it. Oh. And he's able to get all the way to this huge drainage pipe where while the feds are sort of looking for him yeah. and he hides inside. And of course the drainage pipe is going to lead into the sewer. So it's actually right. very fortuitous. Meanwhile, Dr. Meadows and his team, they arrive at uh, the town hall. They've set out a command center, which just looks like a plastic tent that someone just bought at Dick's Sporting Goods. Like, it does mm-hmm. not look, it's not, like, airproof in any way. But they keep, yeah. like, acting like it is. Like, they're taking off their masks only inside. <laughs> and um, basically, like, it looks like the bacteria is entirely in the sewer right now. If we can close off these three exits, we could trap it. I don't know about that, but it's the best idea I mean, we have, you know. I can trap it. I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but in the sewer, it's unfortunately. literally the blob. <laughs> Meg is trying to take these two little boys. They're in, like, waist-high poop water. Oh, my. Ugh. And then uh, she goes, oh, look out for that rat. And one of the boys says, what rat? She looks and realizes as they walk, the rats just keep getting sucked out of the water. The blob oh is there. Oh, my God. And the blob attacks them. And she's able to push the boys up utility ladder, leading up to a storm drain with, like, a grate over it. Unfortunately, Allison, the blob grabs and eats Eddie. I'm sorry, Eddie. You were precocious, Aww. and now you're part of the blob. You're part of the blob. But she's able to get her brother through the grate because he's still a child, but she's too big to fit. And behind her, she's up on this ladder, screaming, her brother on the other side, safe. And we see the blob sort of stretch up. It looks like a Venus flytrap that also looks like a butthole. Like, it's like this, mm-hmm. like, fleshy pink mouth reaching up for her. And right is about to latch onto Meg. Two of the biosuited uh, agents show up, and one starts firing on the blob, which causes it to attack them, following them down the sewer tunnel. So luckily, Meg's able to sort of temporarily escape the blob, drops down in the water to look through another exit, and tells Kevin, go to town hall, get help, tell our parents. Yeah. Then comes the best scene of the movie, Allison. Ooh, okay, I'm ready. Because Brian, who is also coming into the sewer through the drainage pipe, hears Meg screaming, hears a commotion. And he guns his motorcycle down the tunnel, which fortunately is big enough for a motorcycle. And as he rides, he sees the blob looming in front of them. Allison, he jumps the blob. <gasps> he, like, goes up on the wall and jumping he jumps the, the blob. blob. Way to go. He jumps the blob, baby. And he skids out. And his motorcycle falls. You know, he's, he, it's irretrievably broken. But he survives and he finds Meg. And the whole thing, he just smells like shit. You know, it's just fucking disgusting down there. Of course. And they run into one of the biosuit guys, like the third guy. And he's like, it got Bigelow and Wilson. They tried to scream inside it. They tried to scream from inside it. And they're like, calm down. We all know about the blob. And they're able to make it to a manhole, an open okay. manhole. And they look up and see Dr. Meadows looking down. And he, we, he, they hear him say to his team, close it up. <gasps> it's like, let them up. Right. And one of the, bi- the biosuit guys is like, that's our man down there. Like, what are we talking about? And Meadow says it's an order. And they close it and they park a truck on top of it so they can't <gasps> open it again. But the guy in the biosuit still has his walkie-talkie and they're like screaming and begging for help. You know, they're still alive. And the water starts to rise and the biosuit guy's panicking. He's like, it's coming, it's coming. And Meg's like, well, you came back for me. That was nice. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to die here in the sewer with me. You know, and she says, I thought you only took care of yourself. He's like, yeah, maybe I should have. 
I blew it. I'm sorry. But she actually has a plan because she points out that the biosuit guy has a essentially a bazooka sort of slung okay. on the back of his biosuit. Casual. And through the walkie-talkie, Brian says to Meadows, if you won't listen to us, listen to this. And then he blows the manhole cover up with the bazooka. And it blows Incredible. the cover off, and then it blows the truck over. Yes, yes. The explosions I've been looking for. Exactly. So now we're headed into the final showdown between everybody. They scramble up to the service, and Brian grabs a gun from one of the biosuit guys. Of course, Deputy Flag Bragg is there and is like, I knew it. Don't do not do this. You know, like, I, I knew you'd get a gun and threaten my town. I hate you, whatever. But then the biosuits pull their guns on Brian, and Deputy Bragg has a moment of like, no, no, if anyone's going to shoot this teenager, it's going to be me. And so he's like, now he has his gun on the containment yeah. people. And Dr. Meadows starts telling everyone, because it's outside town hall, so people are like watching and coming out to watch this. And Dr. Meadows right. says to Bri- about Brian, he's contaminated. He's he's been contaminated the whole time. Shoot him in front of the whole town, basically. Okay. And Brian uh, says to the deputy, "Think about it. How did they get here so quick? Who even you didn't call them? How do they even know about the meteorite? Well, how did they know? Is my biggest question. Well, so I think the answer is because it's man-made. And he said this is some kind of germ warfare been test. Tracking it. They tracked the, the, the where the satellite fell. Yeah. So they came because they had some sort of tracking on it, and he's trying to tell them. This is germ warfare. They fucked it up. They're the ones who created this. And now they're going to try to blame us and potentially, you know, blow up the town. Yeah. Meanwhile, Meadows Meadows grabs a gun from his subordinate and is about to fire on Brian in front of everyone. And a tentacle of the blob reaches up through the manhole and drags him into the sewer. Bye-bye. And as he goes down, he shoots the deputy by accident, but luckily it's just in the shoulder. Because I thought the deputy got shot in the face at first because the way he falls, but it's just his shoulder, so he's alive. Okay. And the Colonel Hargis goes over the sewer and says, let's scrag this son of a bitch. And then he hurls an explosive down into the sewer to blow the blob up. And I'm like, like, why would we think this? It's not alive in the way that we are. Right, like, it's just gonna, you're just gonna make a bunch of it, Right, you're gonna blow it into a million fucking pieces. Like, how would this possibly, like, it just doesn't make any sense, even as a a casual observer of the blob. Um, And, of course, there's a moment of silence where, again, a false moment of, like, ah, we did it. And the colonel says, chew on that slime ball. Allison, the whole goddamn ground starts exploding and shaking. Yep. And the blob shoots happens. out in a giant column, bigger than ever, onto the street, like spilling over it. And a bunch of it f- topples onto the colonel, who then detonates what I guess was an explosive vest he was wearing. But it doesn't matter. The blob is not subdued by explosions. It will consume yeah. anything, right? If any, I'm sure the blob likes that. Honestly, at this point... But that means everyone's on the street, everyone's running, screaming. Everyone in the town, panicking, running away from the blob, which is flowing like flowing over people, consuming cars. And then Reverend Meeker's there, is yelling, and everyone says, don't you understand? This has all been prophesized. And he gets down on his knees, and he begins to pray to the blob, Allison. And then is immediately blasted in the side of the face by a flamethrower. Wielded by a panicked, <laughs> panicked containment agent. It's total mayhem. Meg, Meg's able to get a fire extinguisher and sprays the blob and remembers, oh, right, it's cold. So then she's right. trying to tell everybody, and luckily she's yeah. a bunch of it people. It's the get, cold. Yeah, a bunch of people get sort of cornered in a town hall. She's blasting the blob as it follows them to town hall. They try to close the door, but again, it, it crawls under the door. It's like trying to bust through the door. And at this point, 
she runs out of fire extinguisher juice. So what are we going to do? Yeah. Allison, there. what are they going to do? What is, I, I want to ask this, it's probably, there. we've been shown something in the first act that they're going the to bring snow, back in. The snow machine. Yay, okay, good. Yeah, we got to use the snow machine. So Brian. Why else would we have seen it? Exactly. So Brian goes to Moss's mechanic shop and then just busts through the door in the snow machine, yeah. which thank God Moss had already fixed, because I was like, thank what if God. it's already broken? Right. At least he prioritized fixing that. So he plows through traffic and finally gets to town hall. Unfortunately, the deputy is was barricading the front door, putting a bookcase over it, and a tentacle just rips through the bookcase and sort of bends him in half and tears him through the wall. So the deputy is also dead. And by the time Brian gets to town hall, the blob is covering sort of half the front of it. Like it's halfway up the building. And he starts spraying the blob with coolant and freezing it. He then rams it with his truck, which I think was the wrong move because the truck just flips over and the tank rips off of the cab. I don't know yeah. what the thought process, but hey, no. we're all just, we're doing the best we can out here. Anything in the moment is a good move forward. Exactly. So Meg, of course, runs out to find the blob crawling over the truck cab where Brian is trapped. and But luckily it's separated from the tank part. So she runs to one of the biosuit guys who's literally melting and begging her to help him. And she goes, oh, sorry. And then takes, he has an explosive, like a essentially a, a messenger bag with an explosive in it. And then she grabs his machine gun and goes full Sarah Connor on it and just starts firing on the blob to draw it away from the cab so Brian can survive. Okay. And she jumps up onto the tank and puts the explosive there with the idea, like, I'll blow this so it'll blow all the coolant out of the blob. Yes. What? Because what else are we going to do? It's something. And she sets the explosive, and when she goes to jump off the tanker, her foot gets caught in it. And she falls, and she's dangling from the tanker as this explosive device counts down. Fortunately, it she did draw the blob over to the tanker, so Brian's able to escape from the cab and run to her, pulling her free just in time, and the mm-hmm. tank explodes, sending coolant everywhere. And the blob immediately crystallizes into millions of purple crystals. Mm, gorgeous. And the coolant starts to fall over the town as snow. And we see Brian and Meg embrace. They're all covered in fake snow as everyone emerges from the town to look at the blob. And her father runs over, and I think it's sort of like, I guess, Brian, you're all right. You could have sex with my daughter. You know? Ribbed. And Moss, the mechanic, who I'm really glad got to survive, said to Brian, Me too. See, I told you there'd be snow. You just got to have faith. And then he turns to the snowmaker truck. He says, I wonder if I'm covered for this. Which, again, it's the 80s. I love that. Fun. And he says, everyone, we have to scoop this up and we have to get this to the ice house before dawn, which I'm glad they addressed because it's like, okay, well, as soon as it warms up, well, you guys are done for. Right. It's not like it's actually snowing exactly. and staying cold yet. So the idea is like, we'll scoop up the blob and we'll get it to a freezer, contain it, and, co- you know, then that'll be fine. Late, Sometime later, it looks like a beautiful summer day, we see Reverend Meeker, who is now, his half of his face was burned by the flamethrower. Right. And one of his glass lenses is a um, sunglasses. Okay, yeah. We know that was, yeah, like a a fun way to do a patch. And he's um, giving a sermon at sort of like a, um, like a pop-up or like a revival um, Mm. uh, service. And so he's preaching. And I think he's supposed to be giving us Jonestown because it's like a a very mixed race. Um, So there's like Mm. a lot of black people. And not that that is inherently Jonestown, but his demeanor and also the fact that it is a racially diverse congregation, I think we're supposed to be thinking Jonestown and like the sunglasses. It's giving Jonestown. Yeah. Um, And then, is this before Jonestown? God. 88. I don't know what year was Jonestown. 
That happened. Yeah, 1978. Yeah, so I think it okay. was supposed to be, you know, and then he goes to the back after he gives his, his sermon about the end times, the end of days, of course, and he goes to the back and he takes off his sunglasses and we see that one of his eyes is milky white. And we see, as a gospel singer starts up, an elderly black woman follows Reverend Meeker to the back and says, well, when is it going to happen? Like, when is the day of reckoning? And he says, soon. And he lifts up his jar with the blob shards, which, of course, have now thawed and are just, like, beating themselves against the lid of the jar. And he says, soon, the Lord will give me a sign. The blob. Ah, a scarier ending than I was prepared for. Yeah, it's it's a great one. I I, I love this movie, having not seen it before. Yeah. What a, what an absolute treat, Allison. What are some um, fatal mistakes you think were made in the Blob? Fatal mistakes. Well, I think the government's uh, attempt at biochemistry in space. Yeah, like I get why we need to know, but this is an outcome that. You have to be prepared for, and they weren't. Yeah. Well, you know, it just seems like uh, that is sort of a move fast and break things is uh, yes. an ethos that is um, has always been with us. And in yes. this case, uh, move fast and blob things, unfortunately. Move fast, blob stuff. Um, yeah. But again, I guess like just everybody not immediately fleeing town the second, like I guess there was no way to know. And by the time most people were encountering the blob, it was a little late Yes. To hightail it out of there. But I think everybody was, you know, doing their best with what was going on. Yeah, I think a great example of, um, yeah, like the the government and scientists really biffing this one. But mm-hmm. uh, everyone else doing the absolute best. Meg, absolutely crushing it. Uh, you know, Brian, everyone. Again, even like just taking, hitting that guy with a car, then taking and filling out his paperwork. I'm like, that's. Yeah. Going up, uh, you know, trying. They're yeah. doing the absolute best, and yes, there's the the blob. The blob will consume us all, and the blob. Mm, hopefully, you know. Uh, but like, but like so many of our movies, sort of the the added element of government dysfunction, secrecy, conspiracy, and how that just makes it worse. You know, yes. again, it would be on the nose, except it's not on the nose. We create this art we... to reflect the reality we live in, which is yes. why it exists. Um, yes. But uh, I, I think other than that, I mean, yeah, everyone did the best they possibly could. Yeah. Um, and then where would you place the blob on the spooky scale, Allison? The spooky scale. I mean, for enjoyment, a 10. Uh, mm-hmm. But for spookiness, I'm going to say a 4. Okay, great. That's a pretty chilling ending for, like, you know, the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but... And it was a little gruesome at times, but again, more kind of like, how do we get out of this crisis situation and less like jump scare horror? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really liked the downbeat ending. It, it kind of reminded me of The Mist, which is mm-hmm. scarier because you yes. don't necessarily get the explanation. Well, you, you yeah. sort of do. It's because there are similar elements like the military, right. the government comes in. But that there right. is uh, a more unknowable part to it. So I think mm-hmm. seeing the blob... And the blob looks great, but then there are certain elements where it is CGI, where it looks horrible. And yeah. again, not that you should judge a film by that, but it does it take you out. Yes, it does. And much like it would yeah. take you out now in the many movies that have, um, you know, effects that p- could have been practical and, and probably yes. would look better. But um, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm going to give it, how scary was it? I really, 10 out of 10, out of 10 enjoy, 11 out of 10 yeah. enjoyed this movie. Yes. Um, I'm going to give it, yeah, a four. A four seems right. Feels right. Because I really did like the ending and I found it chilling. And yeah. Anytime you add in a religious element to something, I find it much scarier. Very spooky. Yes. And at the beginning, sort of like having these, like when you see the hospital scene, when you see Paul getting dissolved, fucking awful. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and the yeah, can yeah. man. So yeah, I would say um, a, a four, but but with knowing that it is a a great movie. Yes. Um. Yeah. So thank you for listening, everybody. Um, we blobbed it. We blobbed it, and we blob you very much. We blob you. And um, And, um, until next time, please keep it spooky. Keep it blob. Keep it blob. Keep it blob. Keep it blob. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to follow us at Ruin Podcast and Crooked Media for show updates. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. Ruined is a Radio Point and Crooked Media production. We're your writers and hosts, Hallie Kiefer and Allison Livey. The show is executive produced by Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder, and recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. From Crooked Media, our executive producer is Kendra James, with production and promotional support from Ari Schwartz, Kyle Sieglin, Julia Beach, Caroline Dumphy, and Awa Okolati. Webcrawlers, Bimbo News is a podcast covering the most entertaining stories from social media, television, music, and the internet each week. Why does Pink regret writing the song We Got Scurvy for SpongeBob? And is it actually an instant classic? How did a live worm get inside a person's brain? Did you know a woman sued Disney over wedgies she got from a water slide? Or how about the woman who left her husband for Billy from Stranger Things? And he turned out to be a catfish. Hosts Allie and Melissa give their take on everything. They also do deep dives into scams and cults like Tina Duong who hired 300 actors to play her friends and family at her wedding to fool her husband, and the Twin Flames universe that encourages stalking and harassing to claim your soulmate. If you're too busy to keep up with pop culture and the news, or you just want to know what the heck everyone is talking about, let the web crawlers guide you. Find web crawlers, bimbo news, wherever you get your podcasts. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay, leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.